of David, Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. And in the night season, and am not silent. But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not ashamed. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised by the people. All those who see me ridicule me. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head, saying, He trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. But you are he who took me out of the womb. You made me trust while on my mother's breasts. I was cast upon you from birth, from my mother's womb. You have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death, for dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far from me. O my strength, hasten to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth and from the horns of the wild oxen. You have answered me. I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify him and fear him, all you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him, he heard, My praise shall be of you in the great assembly. 
I will pay my vows before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth shall eat and worship. All those who go down to the dust shall bow before him, even he who cannot keep himself alive. A posterity shall serve him. It will be recounted of the Lord to the next generation. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born, that he has done this. Our Lord, we ask that you would this day shepherd us into your presence, that we might with fullness of heart offer praise and ourselves to you in appreciation for your great grace and mercy bestowed upon us, and that this day you will show yourself to us more deeply than we have ever seen you and your ways in times past. Only you can answer this prayer. Only you can give us this deeper, greater insight into the reality of who you are and your ways. So we ask it of you with great expectation, knowing that you will indeed answer our prayer, our supplication to you. In the name of your Son, our Savior, we do pray. Amen. The passage we will be uh, dwelling in will be on the screen, but also if you would like to be there in your Bible, we're going to be in John 18, beginning in verse 1. We're covering an extended passage. It's a narrative passage. It's a narrative passage, and so we're going to be covering a good deal of Scripture, but uh, the power of a narrative is in the narrative. But one of the things I would like to uh, give us an introduction to on this passage is that the contribution, we could say, of all the civilizations in this, in the, that you find, in, especially in the European history and Middle Eastern history, you find a devote, the, the one thing about the Roman Empire that was their claim to fame was law. Roman law, law, law. We got society governed, we got it, everything set in place, and we enforce the law. And even our officials do not break the law. The law is both a defender, it, it is a 
It is aggressive against the wicked, but it is also a defender of the innocent. Well, what we're going to see in the narrative that we are going to be reading is the violation of that in spades. The enormous violation of that Roman, what the Romans lauded in themselves is going to be absolutely set aside. Plus, and this is the introductory part, the Jewish people likewise had the law, the law, and it was laid out very specifically in the law of Moses when people were accused of a crime. They were not required to defend themselves. It was the requirement of those who were the accusers. You had to have at least two, better have three accusers. And if the defend the person being attacked or being accused, if they had one or two testifiers other than themselves, that was good. But a person saying, well, I'm innocent of this charge, that didn't carry any real weight. But the opposition always had to have two or better three accusers, or the more the better, but at least two, and we're going to see the Jewish leadership completely set aside what's found in the law. Every single thing that should have been there to protect our Lord from his accusations, from his accusers, was violated. Here is the lamb, what the one whom Jesus, John the Baptist said, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. All the way through John's gospel, John is just so emphatic. Actually, all the gospel writers are, but John is especially emphatic on every accusation that came against Jesus. The accusers ran away with their tail between their legs. They could never make an accusation stick. Jesus always defended himself from the law. And one of the things about the law, let me give you an example, is when Jesus healed the man at the pool of Bethesda. This is in Jerusalem. Here's the man at the pool of Bethesda, and it says in the text, he has been infirm. He's had his infirmity for 38 years. In all likelihood, he's been a fixture there at the pool of Bethesda, which is right near the temple. And, of course, the thing was they had a pool there and every so often and the word was an angel would come down and stir up the waters and whoever was first to get in the waters after the angel stirred up the waters would be healed and Jesus asks this fellow a yes or no question as he's walking by him Jesus asks him would you like to be healed yes or no question the man does not answer with a yes or a no He answers with an excuse. Well, every time the waters are stirred up, someone, someone always beats me to the water. This guy's been infirm for 38 years. He can never make it to the water. Now, we don't know that he's been by that pool for 38 years, but somebody always beats me to the water, and Jesus says to him, you rise, take up your bed, and go take it home. And the man is immediately healed. And he stands up and he leans over and he rolls up his cot and he's walking out of that area 
with his doing work. Oh, by the way, horror of horrors, Jesus healed a man on the Sabbath. And the next day, Jesus finds, he doesn't even know who it was that healed him. It was a sovereign act of healing. And the Jewish leaders just stop the man and say, stop, stop, stop. You're doing work on the Sabbath, carrying your cot on the Sabbath. You're breaking the law. Well, the guy, the man who healed me told me to do it. Who was the one who told you to do it? Not who's the man that healed me. Wait, 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 wait. An absolute divine miracle just happened, and you, the religious leaders, aren't interested <laughs> in that? You're interested that your law got broken instead of this outrageous miracle that just took place? Yeah. The next day, Jesus found the man in the temple. For the first time in his life, he's been allowed in the temple because people who had physical deformities of any or maladies of any kind were not allowed in the temple. So for the first time in his life, this man's in the temple, and Jesus finds him. And Jesus discloses himself to this fellow, and he says, don't sin. Is that good advice? George, don't sin. Steve, don't sin. Don't sin, lest a worse thing come upon you. And the man went and turned Jesus in to the Jewish authorities. And so they came after Jesus. And that literally says in the Gospel of John, they put Jesus on the hit list. We have to kill him because he broke the Sabbath. And then they came and confronted Jesus. And he said, well... I'm just imitating the works of my father, and my father heals people on the Sabbath at all. My By the way, when he said my father, it was a unique way of saying my father, as in my father in a unique sense. I am the son of God. And it's, it literally says in John's gospel, they put him on the hit list for a second time because of a second reason, because he made himself equal with God. What evidence do they lack? And then Jesus, when they accuse him of, hey, this is what you're saying, this is blasphemy, well, look at my works. Oh, hey, wait a minute, you're not allowed to testify about yourself. That's against the Levitical law. You have to have other testifiers. Well, these works I'm doing are actually the works of my father done through me, and so I do have other testimony. My miracles are his testimony of who I... So they accuse him of being a self-testifier, and that's contrary to the law. Now let's read our narrative here. John chapter 18, when Jesus had spoken these words, the high priestly prayer of John 17... When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron, where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops, these are temple troops, they're not Roman troops, they're part of the, t the temple guardian squad. Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, he's not surprised by any of this. 
knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Just by speaking these words to them, they literally collapsed. Would it be a reasonable understanding that everything that follows when he goes with them and when he's in the hand of the Roman, that Jesus could simply say a word <laughs> and walk free, but he's choosing not to? He simply says, I am he and this whole squad of armed up men fall to the ground. Then he asked them again, Whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he, he, Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled which he spoke, of those whom you have given me. This is part of his prayer. Of those whom you have given me, I have lost none. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's ear and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? Now, as we read the other gospel narratives, we find out this, this is the only time that servant of the high priest is named, is in John's gospel. We also find out there's a fellow that is going to accompany Peter into the, uh, into the estate area, the, the gated estate of the high priest, and that he is the people in the high priest's family and that whole squad of people, they all know this. And it's obvious, it's apparently the God, uh, Apostle John himself. It's very interesting in the, in the Gospel of John, John never names himself. He is always, when he is referencing himself, he always says, that disciple whom Jesus loved. He never names his own name. And so here is this fellow. We find out this is the only gospel where that fellow who lost his ear is named, Malchus. It's also interesting that John fails to mention what all the others mentioned, that Jesus then healed the fellow's ear. <laughs> But Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? And again, this is the only gospel where the fellow using the sword is named. It's Peter in all the other gospels, just a disciple. Verse 12, then the detachment of troops and the captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. And they led him away to Annas, First, now it's very interesting, there are two high priests, Annas and Caiaphas. Annas is not functioning as the high priest, but he is the actual 
fellow with the right to the high priesthood. He is the direct descendant of Aaron who has the right to be the high priest, but he had offended the Romans. And so we don't know if it was Pilate or the governor that preceded him said, hey, you're out of here. And so Caiaphas, who has, who is the son-in-law of Annas, he's not the son, he's the son-in-law of Annas, he is the functioning high priest, and he actually has no, no biblical right to that position. But he's the functioning high priest. But the guy, the power behind Caiaphas is Annas, and so when they arrest Jesus, they take him first to Annas, the fellow who should be the functioning high priest, but because of events to the Romans, he's not. They led him away to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. Now it was Caiaphas who advised the Jews, and this is earlier in John's Gospel, that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. Rather than all, all us people uh, rise up and follow Messiah and have the Romans come and stomp all over us, let's just kill one guy, the Messiah. And then we can all just move right along. <laughs> they let him. Now it was Caiaphas who advised the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple, this is John himself in all likelihood. Now that disciple was known to the high priest and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door outside. Then the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in. Which means there are people in the high priest's house that know this guy. And we, oh, he's safe. He brought Peter in. Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. What had Jesus already said to Peter? You will deny me three times before the rooster occurs. Right after Peter said, Everybody else may abandon you, but not me. I will die rather than abandon you. And Jesus immediately had already told him, you will deny me three times before the rooster crows. This is the first instance. The servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, you are not also one of his, this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servants and officers who had made a fire of coal stood there, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves, and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. The high priest then asked Jesus about his disciples and his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I spoke openly to the world. I always taught in the synagogues and in the temple where the Jews always meet, and in secret I have said nothing. Why do you ask me? Okay, Annas is actually violating the law. He is actually asking for, from Jesus a defense of himself. And Jesus is saying, I have said nothing. I have nothing to say to you that I haven't said publicly. You know, Jesus wasn't shy about saying, I'm the son of God. John's gospel, the man born blind, when he's kicked out of the synagogue, Jesus finds him. Do you believe in the son of God? 
Well, who is he, Lord, that I may may believe in him? He who speaks to you is he. And he believed in him. Jesus had just declared himself the son of God. But Jesus publicly stated all of these, and that was out on the street. That was not in a hidden cove. It wasn't in a back alley. Jesus declared who he was over and over and over again. Why do you ask me? Ask those who heard me what I said to them. Indeed, they know what I said. You're asking me to testify in my own defense, and that's really not in track with the book of Leviticus. It's what you've rebuked me for doing before. And when he said these things, one of the officers who stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand saying, do you answer the high priest like that? Who do you think you are to talk to this wonderful, righteous fellow in those ways? Jesus answered him, if I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why do you strike me? Have I said anything out of line with the scriptures? No, I have not. In fact, what Annas is asking of me if, would be out of line. Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest, his son-in-law. Now Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. Therefore they said to him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. That's number two. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him whose ear Peter cut off, said, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Then Peter denied again, and immediately a rooster crowed. Then they led Jesus to Caiaphas, from Caiaphas, to the praetorium. So he went from Annas to Caiaphas. We have nothing described by John about his encounter with Caiaphas. You can get that info in other gospel accounts. And then they led him to the praetorium. The praetorium was the residence, the, the, the gated, walled residence of Pontius Pilate, the governor of the Jews. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the Praetorium, and it was early morning. The sun is just coming up. By the way, they had tried Jesus. They brought him before Annas. They brought him before Caiaphas in the dead of night. That is also contrary to Jewish custom. All trials were to happen in the daylight hours. So they've been breaking the law. And of course, they did this capture of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane because the Jesus was so popular among the Jewish people that if they did it, if they had grabbed him in the temple or sometime in the middle of the city in the middle of the day, the Jews themselves would have rioted in his defense. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the Praetorium, the residence of Pontius Pilate, and it was early morning. But they themselves did not go into the Praetorium lest they should be defiled but that they might eat the Passover. Oh, how dare we? We can't walk into the residence of a Gentile. We cannot do that without being ritually defiled and unclean, and we won't be able to keep the Passover. (sighs) Folks, can we... Spiritual disconnect? 
You are engineering the murder of Messiah. And did they know he was Messiah? Yes, they did know he was Messiah. They knew who he was. And they're engineering his legal murder. But we certainly don't want... And by the way, this is Passover. This is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, said John the Baptist. They are at the very, at this very moment as Jesus will be tried before Pontius Pilate, they are examining Passover lambs in the temple looking for any flaw. All of John's gospel is Jesus presenting himself and they are constantly looking for flaws and they never can find a flaw. Annas, Caiaphas, were they able to bring any charges with Jesus to Pilate? Well, let's look. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the Praetorium, and it was early morning, but they themselves did not go into the Praetorium, lest they should be defiled, ritually unclean, but that they might eat the Passover. Oh, yes, we will engineer Messiah's murder, but we won't have walked into the home of a Gentile. Pilate then went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, If he were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him to you. They have no accusations. Now think about this. For three plus years, they've been peeking at him from behind rocks and bushes, looking for something to accuse him of. And they have nothing. Nothing. This is the Lamb of God, the perfect Lamb of God, the flawless Lamb of God. And the high priests and their entourage bring him to Pilate, who is the one who's going to have him nailed to a wooden altar as the Passover Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. And they're saying, we have no accusations. If we were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you. So don't even ask. Then Pilate said to them, You take him and judge him according to your law. Therefore the Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. And in fact, the Romans had reserved to them themselves the right to execute anyone. Now, if Pilate's not in town, they'll kill you. Later on in the book of Acts, they will stone Stephen to death. Why? Pilate's not in town. We can get away with this. But while Pilate's in town, we got to adhere to the Roman requirement. And of course, that cross, which was the Roman form of execution, crucifixion, is in fact in fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Because all people executed by the Jews, when they stoned them to death, they would take the carcass and actually hang it on a tree until just before sundown they would get it down off that tree and into the ground. That's the very reason why later in the narrative they have to break the legs of the men crucified with Jesus and they have to get all three of them off the cross. Jesus had already died because the sun's about to go down and the high Sabbath is about to begin and we've got to follow Jewish law and get them off their trees into the ground. 
Pilate then went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, If he were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you. Then Pilate said to them, You take him and judge him according to your law. Therefore the Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled which he spoke signifying by what death he would die. When did he say that? Well, in John's gospel, in the triumphal entry, he is coming in at, not as the conquering king, but as the servant king. And he says to his disciples who are surrounding him by the thousands, lauding him, this, he says to them, the son of man must be lifted up. Well, lifted up was a gentle way there was the standard gentle way of talking about crucifixion. And the crowd knew what he meant, and they're saying, what Messiah are you talking about? We only know about a conquering Messiah. We don't know anything about a servant Messiah, a crucified Messiah, and yet there it is in the Hebrew Scriptures. But they had never focused that. Why? Well, don't we all want deliverance? Do we all, all, all want that wonderful kingdom? <laughs> Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus, and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or do, uh, did others tell you of this, you this concerning me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered it to me. What have you done? The only accusation, if you want to call it that, that they've made is they say you claim to be a king, the king of the Jews. Are you the king of the Jews? Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? Am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests have delivered to you. What have you done? What has he done? He has done miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after a miracle attached to his message, I am the Son of God. I am the King of Israel. I am the Son of God. I am the King of Israel. Oh, have you not heard? I am the Son of God. I am the King of Israel. Yes, I am from above. I am from the Father. I am from heaven. Repeatedly, publicly, he has made this statement. You know what? There's no Roman law <laughs> against that. Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. Yes, I am a king, but I'm not a king of the sort that you, are, that you normally attach to that title. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight. They wouldn't have just had two or three swords with them in the garden. They would have all been heavily armed. If my kingdom is not of this world, if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world. 
You know, Pilate didn't come into the world. Nero didn't come into the world. Caesar Augustus, and they were all in the world from beginning to end. This is the one who came from above. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. The truth. The truth. John 14, 6. I am the way the truth, and the life. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I came into the world, that I share bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. He has said this earlier in John's Gospel, my sheep hear my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. They could bring no accusations. This Roman fellow who had had plenty of people before him (laughs) that he judged is saying, I find no fault in this man at all. But you have a custom, you Jews have a custom that I should release someone to you at the Passover. Do you therefore want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Then they all cried again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. So then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. They tied him to a post and basically with a cat of nine tails, they ripped the flesh off of his back. They scourged him. And the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe. And that purple was the royal color. They put on him a purple robe. Then they said, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him with their hands. Pilate then went out and said to them, to the crowd, to the Jewish leaders, Behold, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no fault in him. Let me repeat myself. I find no fault in him. Do you hear me? Do you hear me? Then Jesus came out, wearing the crown of thorns, and the purple robe. And Pilate said to him, Behold to them, behold the man. By the way, that crown of thorns, as others have noted in previous generations, why a crown of thorns? Why did he? Because he is the king who will break the curse. Thorns were an emblem in the Hebrew Scriptures. Thorns were an emblem of the curse that came upon humanity and the earth at the fall and he becomes the king of the when he goes to the cross he is going to be the last Adam but the last Adam who is enabled to actually carry the burden of Adam's sin and all of his descendants and pay sin's penalty he will break the curse that had come upon the human race and in fact this creation because of Adam's sin. 
Behold the man. Therefore, when the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, You take him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to our law, he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. And Pilate's eyes get big and what did you just say? They just upped the ante. They just made this a lot more threatening to Pilate than it had been. His conscience is already overwhelmed. We know from other gospel accounts that Pilate's own wife had come to him and said, have nothing to do with this just man. I've been tormented all night in dreams because of this just man. Don't have anything to do with him, hubby. He made himself the son of God. Therefore, when Pilate heard that saying, he was the more afraid and went out and went again to the praetorium and said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then Pilate said to him, are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have power to crucify, crucify you and power to release you? Jesus answered, you could have no power at all against me, unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If you let this man go, you are, no, you are not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. Friend was actually a title used in the Roman Empire that the emperor would bestow on certain politicos and certain sub-kings in the empire. Herod the Great at one time had the title granted to him by Caesar Augustus that he was a friend of Caesar. And then, I don't remember what it was, but Herod the Great did something that messed with his relationship with the... And he got that title yanked. The t meaning of that term was, this fellow, I can trust that whatever issue he is dealing with, he will always put my, the emperor's interests first. Even at his own expense, he will put my interests first. That's what it meant. Now, as I've noted in previous messages... Pilate had a special problem. Pilate was appointed governor of Judea by a man named Sejanus. Sejanus had been the head of the Praetorian Guard. Well, the emperor at the time was an old, old Roman general who decided, yeah, I'm emperor, and, but, you know, really, I want to retire I'm tired of having to mess with this bureaucracy every day. And so he retired to the island of Crete, and he handed off the day-to-day -day management of the emperor, empire to the head of the Praetorian Guard, Sejanus. 
And Sejanus did that task for three or four years, and he loved having the power. He loved doing all this stuff. But, you know, I really would like to be able to wear the robes. I'd really like to be able to sit on the throne. I'd really like to be able to get the emperor worship. I'd really like all that trimmings that comes with being the emperor. And so he actually set up a assassination squad to go after and kill the emperor so he could become, well, the emperor Tiberius found out about it. And he charged back to Rome and had Sejanus executed. And anybody appointed by Sejanus was already suspect. Your loyalty was suspect. So Pilate was already in shaky ground. And when they say, if you don't crucify him, you are no friend of Caesar's, we can send word back to the emperor. This may cost you your own life, Pilate. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus out and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the preparation day of the Passover. And about the sixth hour, and he said to the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, Folks, this is the most blatant blasphemy against God you will find in the entire Bible. We have no king but Caesar. (sighs) These are the high priests. We have no king but Caesar. Who is the king of Israel? Jesus. But when Israel was established, who was the king? Yahweh. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was the king. When the Jewish leadership rose up and said to the prophet Samuel, they are demanding a human king. I have so utterly failed as your prophet, they are demanding a human king. And God said to him, it's not you they're rejecting, Samuel, it's me they're rejecting. Isaiah chapter 6 In the year that King Uzziah died, I, Isaiah, saw the Lord high and lifted up. He see he has a vision into the heavenly temple. And he sees the seraphim, the burning, the angels of fire, worshiping God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And what is Isaiah's response? I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips. I have actually used my lips to praise other gods. I'm a man of unclean lips in the midst of a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. 
And yet, what do the high priests of Israel say to Pilate? We have no king but Caesar. Folks, it's trying to be not too graphic here. <laughs> it's time to go empty your stomach. This is blasphemy on a level that is unimaginable. We have no king but Caesar. Then he, deli- then he, Pilate, delivered him, Jesus, to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and led him away. Our Savior, who could have delivered himself with a simple word at any time during this process, allowed this outrageous injustice to happen to him so that he could step into the further injustice of going what we will focus on next week in the John narrative, the the further injustice of going to a cross as our substitute. The judgment poured out on him. An eternity of the entire human race in the lake of fire, the judgment due to the human race throughout eternity was compressed and poured out upon him during his time on the cross. Behold the Lamb of God, John the Baptist said, who takes away the sin of the world. And as I've noted before, the Nicene Creed says it so biblically, accurately, beautifully. He, Jesus, is true God of true God and true man of true man joined together in one person. How is one person able to do a, accomplish a task that the human race could not fulfill in an eternity because of who he is? the immense glory of his person, the eternal value of himself as a person, true God of true God, true man of true man, joined together in one person, he is able to accomplish that task that would take us in eternity. He accomplishes in the span of time he is on that cross. We will dwell in that reality next time. But here we have seen Jesus could have put a stop to this at any point, but he knows why he was sent by the Father. I'm going to invite, with, I have not warned him, I'm going to invite Stephen and Vincent to join me at the Lord's table.